Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Hey, we're in a, it's funny, today's message is called Don't Make It Complicated, and um, man, we, we can really do that sometimes, uh, unintentionally, unintentionally. I want to show you this picture of a, of a power wheels that I put together. I put that together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, give me some, give me some, I put that together. Now, let me say this. Now, that's not mine. I don't drive it, okay? But that's cages. Now, I will say this. That's the, that's the sixth, sixth. Now, hey, paid, I know my, my uh, we're having problems with my mic, so <laughs> ignore it. <laughs> They're working on it. But um, that is the, that is the sixth power wheel that I have put together for cage. So when he was two, he got a little van that he sat in, and he wore it slap out, and then there was doom buggies. He went through two doom buggies. They usually last us about six months. They, yeah, I know. He's hard on them. I've thought about, like, taking them back, but when wheels are falling off, you know it's not a, it's not a defect on their part, you know. And so, anyway, this is number six, and I put it together, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was by far the easiest one that I've put together so far. Like, when I opened up the box, there were stickers already on it. Now, have you ever put one of those things together? The worst part's the stickers. There were stickers already on it. And then I noticed this. The base was already put together. I didn't have to connect the steering wheel bar to the wheels. That was already done. Um, I didn't have to connect the uh, gear bar. It was already done. It was fantastic. And so I thought, man, I'm going to just fly through this. And then I opened up the directions. It said most people, with somebody helping them, it takes about an hour. I don't like people helping me with things like, people don't want to work with me when I'm putting things together like this. But anyway, I thought, I've put together like five of these already. I'm going to, I'm going to like nail this. This will be done. It took two and a half hours to, to put this thing together. And the reason was, it was not because it was, the machine was, comp- the directions were complicated. Like it said, there are 11 M12-16 uh, screws, and there's 13 uh, M5-16 screws, and there's four machine screws. They were not, those, those numbers never existed. They were like 12 of one and 16 of another. If you're going to tell me there's going to be 13 and, and whatever, let there be only, I don't like extra parts when I'm done putting something together. And so, anyway, I'm questioning that. And then, then they didn't put, like, you know, they, this is how big the screw is. And you're supposed to put it up in the directions, and it matches the size of the screw. There was no chart. So, it, it got pretty complicated, and I finished putting it together about 1130 that night. Got it, you know, plugged in so he could drive it um, when he got home from school the next day. And, and you, you know, you're probably thinking, Scott, y'all bought six of those, and that's pretty expensive. It's cheaper than therapy for Tracy and I, okay? So we gladly, we love to watch him ride <laughs> all over the yard. So uh, it is very peaceful. Um, but the whole time I'm putting that together, I'm thinking it's kind of be an easier way. This shouldn't be this hard. This shouldn't be this, this complicated. 
And honestly, it really was one of the easiest to put together. It was just what the people had to say about it that made it difficult. The truth was it was an easy process. I was trying to figure out all the directions and what they had to say made it very complicated. You know, um, we tend to make things complicated. We tend to make, we can make projects complicated. We can make relationships complicated. We can make church complicated. We can even sometimes make it complicated for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in the early church, this issue arose where people were saying, well, it's not just faith alone. You also got to do something else. And they were making it complicated for other people to come to faith in Jesus. They were making it complicated for other people to follow Jesus. And so they had this major meeting over this. And here's basically what they said in verse 19 of Acts 15. It says this. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And thank God for that, because that is us. We are, we are the, the Gentiles, most of us in this room. Now, that phrase, make it difficult, it means to do this. It means to annoy. It means to annoy somebody. We understand what that means. It means to, to make it difficult. It's the only time in the New Testament that's, that's used. And so people in the other church, they were making it complicated, for other people to follow Jesus, for other people to, to come to Jesus. They were making it difficult. Many who wanted to follow him probably turned away, frustrated and annoyed. And so I think about that. You know, we read the Acts and we see thousands and thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus. I also wonder how many people turned away. They looked at what they were asking them to do and went, I can't do that. I want to follow Jesus. I want to believe in Jesus, and I want to experience what you're experiencing, but I, I can't do that. How many turned away? I got two questions. Have you ever known an annoying Christian? Yeah. Let me ask this question. This is a reflective question. Is it possible that Somehow or another, we've slipped into that. We would never intentionally do that. But is it possible that we become annoying or we're making it difficult or, or we're making it complicated for other people to follow Jesus? It could be denominational cultures. It could be our, our church culture. It could be an undefined rule or unwritten rules. It could be traditions or expectations for people. Hey, if you're going to follow Jesus, you, you need to do all this. And our expectations and our cultures and our unwritten rules and our traditions sometimes can trump faith in Jesus. So that leads to this question, is faith in Jesus enough? Is faith in Jesus enough to save someone? Now, you have probably wondered that yourself, and let me say this, you're not the first uh, to think, surely, surely there must be something else. Surely there's something else I must do. Surely, surely I have to do something, or I've I got to work at something hard, or, or I need to sacrifice something. I want you to, to look at what they're asking people to do that it want to come to faith in Jesus and listen it's a doozy it's a doozy so while Paul and Barnabas we're, in, we're back in Acts while Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria 
So men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, listen to this, unless you're circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. I told you it's a doozy. Think about it, seriously. In the Jewish culture, everyone was circumcised. Now Gentiles are coming to faith in Jesus and some of the Jewish believers are now saying, nope, you must be circumcised. And Paul and Barnabas disagree with them, arguing vehemently, vehemently, a lot, strongly. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. And the church sent the delegates to Jerusalem. Listen, this is a major issue about salvation. And they want to get it right. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. And they reported everything God had done through them with the Gentiles here. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. See, many of the Jews, they were believing this, that Jesus plus circumcision equaled salvation. Like salvation, if you want to be saved, you got to have faith in Jesus and you must be circumcised. This is a huge issue for the early church. Now, Paul talks about this in several of his letters, especially in Galatians. And you know what he's saying? Hey, this is false teaching. If you're adding to the gospel, if you're saying someone must be circumcised in order to be saved, man, this is false teaching. But sometimes we will place cultural rules or opinions or, or backgrounds or preferences or, or traditions on people as a measure of their salvation. Have you ever questioned someone's salvation because they voted differently than you? Man, we have just come through an incredible political season. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever questioned their salvation? Going, How can they know Jesus and, and vote like that? Or be part of that? Or they went to a different church? I grew up Methodist, and, and the joke at the Methodist church was, when you get to heaven, don't speak to the Baptists because they think they're the only ones there. You know? And I, I've told, I told this story this past week. I, I, grew up, like, I grew up Methodist. The Methodist church was, I could draw you a chart and everything and show you where it was in relation to the Baptist church, but I grew up like on, right down the street from the Methodist church, and we played at the Methodist church. We could go in the doors of the Methodist church, but my grandmother said, hey, if you're playing in the church parking lot of the Baptist church, don't you ever go in those doors. I'm seven, eight years old. I'm thinking, what do they do in there? I really, I'm thinking, they can't be saved. You know, my grandmother won't let me in there. Christians have been known to enforce rules on people getting saved. Whether they drink or don't drink. Whether they smoke or don't smoke. Chew or don't chew. Um, think about music. 
I had friends that uh, grew up the same period I did, but they were part of a very strict church, and Boston would come on the radio, hey, man, you remember that? You, you didn't listen to, no, we weren't allowed to. What about Amy Grant? Oh, no. Not even Amy Grant. They could only listen to Southern Gospel. Bless her heart. <laughs> Music, theological stances. If you believe different about baptism or once saved, always saved. Version of Scripture. How many of y'all have ever had that discussion that King James was the only one? If it was good enough for Paul, Sunday dressed, the way somebody would come to church was often used. I, I remember seeing that growing up. I had a good friend. I was talking to him Thursday. And I was telling him about this message. And I said, and I, and I said what was it like for you? Oh, he said, oh, you had to have short hair, no facial hair. You had to be at church at Sunday morning. You had to be there Sunday afternoon for, for church training. You had to be there Sunday night. You had to be there for Monday night visitation. And you had to be there Wednesday night. And there was no, no secular music. And there was no Disney whatsoever. All that was taken into account when it came to salvation. See, some churches have unwritten rules that go something like this. Only perfect people may attend. Well, here's the thing. We, we know that that doesn't exist. And so some churches have this other unwritten rule. Only people who look like they have it together may attend. You know what I love about Jesus? And I could, I could go on and on about this. But if you look at him in the Gospels... It seemed like the messier, messier or the, the they were, man, the, the, the stronger his heart's inclination was to them. Man, when he saw brokenness and when he saw the, the, the result of a fallen world and he saw the results of sin on somebody, whether their title was prostitute or, or tax collector or whatever it may be, you see him approaching them to embrace them, to, to love them. But yet, Church has made salvation complicated over the years. And I even think probably around the world. Some churches, they want to hear your testimony before you can join the church. So they'll judge whether or not it's true faith in Christ. And some churches want you to speak in tongues before you can become part of the church. Because that to them is a sign of salvation. So I wonder... How many people have been turned away today from the church? From, not from the church, from following Jesus. Because of all the different cultural practices, all the different rules, all the different preferences, all the different expectations. So I think it's a valid question to ask if you're, if you're considering following Jesus or maybe you're sitting there and you've experienced some of this. I think it's a very valid question to ask is faith in Jesus enough to be saved? Well, here's the good news of that. Faith in Jesus is more than enough to save. Here's the result of this, this big meeting they had. Faith in Jesus is, is more than enough. It says, it says in verse 6, So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood up and addressed them as brothers, Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to go preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. 
God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, just as he did to them. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. Now listen to this question. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke this is what he says, that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. Here's what he's saying. You want them to obey the law? We stunk at obeying the law. We couldn't even keep the Sabbath. We ended up in exile. He's talking about the Israel history. He said, we couldn't do it. And now you're wanting them to do it? You could go through every book of the Old Testament and see where they could not keep the law. He said, why are you putting this yoke on them? And then he says this, we believe that we are all saved the same way, and I love this statement, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Here's how you and I are saved. Here's how people that want to follow Jesus, here's how they're saved. We're saved by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Undeserved grace of Nobody in this room deserves it. Nobody in this room comes close to it. Nobody throughout history has ever deserved it. It truly is amazing grace. So can we, can we think about this, this um, amazing grace, this uh, undeserved grace for a second? I, I want you to think about this. I want you to understand the depth and, and richness of God's love for you that, that's shown in Christ Jesus. Say, say this is a bargaining table. You got Jesus on, on one side and you, and you and I on the other. And Jesus comes to his side of the table and says, here's, here's what I have. I can take away your sins. I can remove your guilt. I can make you become holy. I can make you blameless. And I can give you my joy. I can give you my peace. I, I can promise to be with you in the high times and, and in the low times. I can offer you my strength. I can offer you my spirit. I can offer you myself. I will come and, and dwell among you. There will be no pain that you will be in that I won't be there to comfort you. And you will never be able to turn my love away from you. You can't make me love you more today or tomorrow than I do today. I offer you all of that. And what do we offer? Faith that he is who he says he is. Not faith in money, not, not faith in service, not faith in a promise to not be better. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe God raised you from the dead. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I don't even like the table being in the way. I think it's more like this. That's it. That's it. We bring faith. Nothing else. It's not Jesus plus being a better person or Jesus plus voting this way or Jesus plus this. It's just Jesus. It's Jesus. It's faith. 
It's faith is what causes us to be saved, nothing else. But sometimes we intentionally and we unintentionally, and listen, not just with strangers, with our loved ones, add to it for others to be saved. So I have another question. Are, are, are my personal beliefs or experiences placing a burden on others for salvation? And, and what yoke am, am I placing on people? So I picked up this hat a few moments ago, and the reason I brought this hat, I, I'm, oh God, I just really unsettled a lot of y'all. I just put a hat on in church. And some of you don't care that I have a hat on in church, you care that I have a Clemson hat on in church. Well, the reason I, I got this, I'll never forget, a friend of mine's a pastor of a church, and we were on vacation, and we were in the area, and so I wanted to go and just see him. So we were there, and it was right before the church started, and he and I were, you know, down front talking. And a kid, um, turns out it was his first time there, first teenager, say 16, 17 years old, first time he'd ever been there at the church. And he walked in, you know, I guess he maybe knew somebody. He walked in, and one of the older guys walked up to him and said, boy, and I, the pastor and I, boy, you better get that hat off your head in the house of the Lord. First time there. And I'll never forget, I watched it. And it broke my heart. And the pastor told me, that's his first time here. And what does he think? I believe the guy that approached him is saved. I believe he loves the Lord. But he just told that guy something that's not true. Jesus hates people that wear hats in church. That man was more concerned about his preferences and his comfort level than he was about the salvation of that young man. And sometimes Scott Moore can be more concerned about my preferences and my comfort level than I am about the salvation of other people. Jesus is what you and I need. Jesus is all we need. And if we want to have faith and we want our loved ones, we want our kids, we want our, our neighbors, and we want our friends to come to faith in Jesus, all they need is faith. All they need is faith. In Jesus. This is what it says, Paul says. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Not when you took your hat off, but, but when you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Not when you wrote a big check and, and not when you promised to serve and, and not when you said, I'll be a better person. No. God saved you. The, 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 no matter how dirty you may think you may be, when you believed. And I love this next phrase. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. But then in Galatians 5, 6, he says, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. 
nothing, there's nothing that we can add that will save us or, or make us more saved. Nothing that we can add that God will love us more than he did on the day we came to faith or even the, before we came to faith. But what is important is just faith expressing itself in love. And what I have seen in people, I can tell people who are saved because they're growing in their love. They're growing in their love for God and they're growing in their love for people. They're not perfect and they blow it and I blow it. But I can tell you when somebody loves the Lord or when they have faith, they express it in love. But loving people won't save us. Faith in Jesus saves us. It's evidence. I want to invite the, the band to come up. Now, la last week, um, we had these cards that are in your seats. These who's your one. And here's what we did. Now, if you weren't here last week, there's some more cards here. See, we believe that God wants the 90,000 people in Newton County that, that don't know Christ or don't have a church home or who have wandered away. We believe that God loves them. Why? Because Scripture tells us they, that He desires that no one should perish, but everyone come to faith in Christ. And so last week we said, hey, hey, take this home and, and pray about who you would love to see come to faith in Jesus. Well, here's what we want to do today. In just a second, the, the band's going to play. And, and while they're playing, I want to invite you to do this. I want you, and then there's, if you left yours at home, there's, there's more on the seats. I want you to invite you to do this. Tear it off, if you haven't already. And then at both crosses here the the foot of both crosses there's baskets place that name in the basket now when you come back next week you'll see the names on the cross and then as we pray as we pray for these people and as God leads us to to be a witness to these people as they get saved we're going to move the names from one cross to the other so here's what we want to do just want to take a moment and uh, ask the Lord to reach these people. So when you're ready, you can walk up to the cross and place that in the baskets so that they'll know the Jesus that, that you and I know. And they'll know the joy and they'll know the love. They'll know what forgiveness feels like. They'll know what it's like to be right with their Father in heaven. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.